Welcome, welcome, welcome to Adventures into Reality. I am your host, Andrew Bartzis. I am joined by Kathy Ma, my intrepid co-host. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be here. I mean, what an awesome day. We're fresh off coming back from this absolutely fantastic event, Living the Mystical Life Daily, which... blew my mind blew everyone's mind there it was absolutely awesome to be able to hear andrew speak about all those things and to meet so many people that are listening and following andrew um throughout oh who knows how many years how many lifetimes (laughs) well officially it's now going on since late 2012 so 2016 almost four years just under five years so four four and a half years People have been following me, and uh, this event culminated in Living the Mystical Life Daily, and we had two amazing days where we talked about galactic history, the founder beings, the founder beings returning, precognitive technology, and then we moved into the thick of the teachings about what the fetus in the mother's womb was, and all of those things you guys hear me talk about on the various shows, and we combined it into one succinct teaching format that has now been connecting to people we have been getting hundreds of emails of people saying thank you and what kind of amazing experience that they had when they were at the event and you're going to have to mute whoever's in the background there and it has been so special to be able to connect to some of the people live and I'm sure we're going to having people call in today that were at the event and Kathy you know you were there on stage and we just had a blast oh absolutely I mean the energy was unbelievable i mean dynamic isn't even the word i don't even know if there is a word (laughs) but everyone could feel it and the meditations you were doing were so powerful i mean everyone was just gobsmacked with so much of the stuff and that night uh what was it the sunday night wow you know what everyone was going through and how they felt the next day was unbelievable and it the some some people were describing to me the shifts that they felt, the things they were seeing in the dream world. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely amazing. And you're right. It was so wonderful to meet so many people. I mean, you know, the one thing that I was probably regret a little bit is that I should, probably should have gone there a day early to meet more people. It was so difficult because there's so many people you want to talk to. Right. <laughs> you know, and you're like, wow. This is way too many people. I don't have enough time. (laughs) Exactly. Don't have enough time. I know. And so I thank all of you that were there and that came up to speak to us. I'm sorry that I couldn't get to everyone. And also, Andrew, there was just so many people. We wish we had had more time to talk with you all a bit more. But it was absolutely wonderful to meet you all. And thank you so much for some of the gifts that we were given. Uh, They're amazing. I mean, those chocolates. Wow, that was amazing. (laughs) Yes. And and then somebody handed me a, 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 those young woman handed me a picture of a jaguar, and I have it up on my wall now. And it's amazing hand done painting. And and another person was able to give me a, a stack of every show that I have ever done and a list of. Uh, all the little ones that I might have forgotten about because I've done so many interviews with other radio shows and other radio stations over the years. Oh, that would have been amazing. I mean, just just to know that people really love that kind of work as well and have been keeping right. it and listening to again. And um, I believe the girl's name that uh, gave us the pictures, I also got a wonderful picture, is uh, Ama- Amalia. 
Yeah, yeah she stood up a bunch of times during the event and had some really good questions. Yes, and, yeah. you know, she was uh, one of our callers just before the event, and she was going to speak up so that she could get there. And so I congratulate you, Amalia. You did speak up. You got to the event. That was really awesome. It was really, really great to see you and yes. so exciting. <laughs> You know, one of the, the big things that I remember from the event is stepping on the stage and, and then, you know, feeling the, the, the energy of the audience and then going into that opening speech talking about, you know, the galactic history, the founding beings, and then watching people go through these, you know, connective moments. Mm -hmm. And then as we went into the meditation teachings and, and really went in depth into what these terminologies mean, what these visualizations mean, and how they apply to your daily life when you're not doing a meditation. Mm. For me, this is when people start to put together some of their bigger concepts. And then, you know, the 90-day challenge, who is going to use these in their own voice? Because there was a script that we handed people that from living the mystical life daily, you'll have a way of doing these guided meditations in your own voice. Because when it is in your own voice, the next layer and power of, of understanding the fetus in the womb, understanding the heart, the blood, the marrow, takes a whole new level of, it, of, of, of life force for yourself. Mm, yeah. And that was powerful stuff. I mean, when we were going through that, especially connecting to the fetus, like people were just, whoa. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. The, the lady on the, on the universal meditation had a, you know, she had a direct experience. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was amazing. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah, she is the universe. I am the universe. And when you see people having these direct experiences, you know that you are in the right direction and that many, many more people are going to get those experiences. Mm. Oh, so much so. And it, it was just such an honor to be able to see people go through it and, you know, see their feedback or well, hear their feedback, see their reactions, I suppose I should say, mm -hmm. uh, was just awesome. Really, really Beautiful is a word, a word I probably would have to use because, it, you know, brings tears to your eyes. It really did. Oh, it brought tears to my eyes a number of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think a lot of people's <laughs> mental note, we need more tissues on the table. <laughs> more tissues on the table for next event, yes. <laughs> and also for everyone to be able to see the tools that you had created and that, had, that people have seen on the... Uh, equinox and solstice videos as well i mean just for them to be able to feel the energy and connect to that that was awesome too yeah well how about we take our first caller excellent so our first caller via skype scott are you there hello, hello. <laughs> scott you have to unmute please unmute scott scott Going once. Tick tock, tick tock. Tick tock, Scott. Going twice. <laughs> Scott. Scott. <laughs> going three times. All right. We are going to move on to the next caller. Jake, you were at the event, weren't you? And we have silence. Unmute. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Scott. I'm here. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Where are you calling from today? Calling from Southwest Florida. Thank you, Andrew. How are you doing today? What kind of questions do you have to ask today? Well, I'm still floating. Um, I just wanted to thank you. I was at the event, and um, 
it took me a few days to realize that how special it even was just afterwards. Everybody was so elevated and mm -hmm. loving, connecting. And um, thank you for your hard work and everyone, even Kathy, Ma. Mm -hmm. So what was, the, what was the big thing that you remember from the event? Oh, I don't know. I'm still floating. <laughs> still floating? <laughs> Have you been able to record any of them in your own voice? I recorded them in my own voice, and I've been doing them, and I've been doing the um, things that led up to this that uh, you asked us to do. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you said, oh, I'm going to go to the stars, I'm like, well, I've been trying to figure that one out, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> well, you got to get the groundwork done before you can fly in the stars. Being knowing thyself, having all of those connections that come with it, make you able to transverse the multiverse at a much easier pace, much easier ability to come back with information that you know in your knowingness and don't have to struggle to remember like a dream that you wake up from and you're like, I can't remember it anymore. Oh, okay. Well, I'm doing the groundwork, so um, thank you very much. Um, you're welcome. This is my galactic history, of course. And um, what was my connection with the Sasquatch? The uh, one of the ladies I connected with, she uh, brought a stump or a skull forward, and he wanted to talk to me. Okay, so what year were you born? Nineteen sixty-three. One second, let me tune in here. So the last life you led before you were born was eighteen ninety-two to. Uh, 1946, so by the time you were a teenager, you had moved from Mexico City to San, the fledgling town of San Diego. San Diego, by the time you were in your early 20s, you were on a boat, um, a, a coal boat, going between San Diego and... I want to say the Hawaiian Islands and Tahiti. Um, you were on a coal. You were you were um, like a second officer, a third officer on a coal ship, and you were part of World War II. By then, you were a captain of your own coal ship, um, coal and oil liner ship. You encountered. Hold on one second. This is confusing. You encountered something on one of your very last trips. Um, that challenged your soul to be who you are this lifetime. Um, you saw a collection of UFO beings uh, and ships over the water, um, like hundreds and hundreds of them. They took up the entire horizon line, um, and they were pulling something out of the water. And uh, when you returned to port, um, you tried explaining this story, and everything was covered up. And... Uh, you ended up dying, I'd say, two years later after this report. Um, and you died in a shipping accident. There was just bad weather, and you didn't survive. And when you went and had your life review, you, you began to understand at a deeper level that what was going on in our world was a part of this great intricate change. And it interwove you to some of your previous lifetimes where you had direct UFO experiences, let's say in the 1720s. As a young child, you were brought up onto a ship and told about the way the world works. 
And the reason you had done that is because you had a specific DNA that allowed the type of technology that those offworlders were using to function with you. And so you could learn their telepathic language and translate it and, and assist them in making a dictionary that would had the common terms of what was going on. And then there was another lifetime at around 200 AD um, where you were living in the Polynesian islands and you were also contacted by um, off-world sources who had deep underground bases and you were brought into the underground base like many of the Polynesian shamans of that time and asked to do a, a form of spiritual healing on another off-worlder that was dying. Their particular types of healers weren't able to assist them. And you have, uh, in your life review from that life review as the coal captain, the ship captain, you began to see pattern after pattern after pattern where off-world species connected you to, connected with you to make some form of communication or to ask you and come and heal some of their particular types of beings who were at the unhealable of their own technological state. And during your life review, you planned this life, this Scott, so that you could come forth and begin to recapitulate some of these old concepts and encapsulate them so you could have off-world contact as an off-world healer on the on-world basis, as well as having a form of communicative talk where you build like an advanced dictionary of terms of what are terms that the off-worlders use that may not have our English reference or definition. Like when we say Grand Canyon, you know, if you don't have a map of the world, you don't know what it means. Okay, so I can go all the way back to your founding time here on Earth, 54 million years ago. You are regularly repeating this cycle. And, you know, in the more ancient days, they weren't considered off-worlders. They were visitors. And oftentimes they would come to Earth to have some form of healing or some form of education. In the ancient history, you were a teacher, a healer, a historian in your own expression. But the biggest thing that comes from your galactic history is how you come together in these other groups that let's just say store knowledge store wisdom for the future generations and this wasn't just in 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 our dna or in in storehouses this is in books and these books were made into digital forms and sent to all different avenues of the universe and galaxy and these automated vessels so at one day in the future our ancient species could track where we put our knowledge spread throughout the universe nice so have you done any pilgrimage to sacred places no i actually i didn't have any time in seattle i wanted to go see the redwoods Okay. It would be a good idea for you before the end of this year that you take some form of sacred pilgrimage um, there's a lot of energies that are building up when your frequency that are asking you to go out and pollinate a place, much like a like a like a hummingbird comes to a plant and it and it comes into the nectar and assists the plants and the stamen from spreading its seed. When human beings and are in the pilgrimaging state and they go to sacred places, they act like the hummingbird, and you get to bring some of that mystical sacred nectar into yourself and then come back with it and spread that energy in your home. And it, I believe it's really vital for you to begin to think 
short term where you can pilgrimage to. There might be a, a lake that has really good energy or a river or a mountainside or something that you can begin short. You know, you just a two hour drive, three hour drive or a one hour drive, whatever, that you make a pilgrimage there. You make some form of sacred energy there and you bring that energy into your body. Not just the deep breaths and stuff like that, but truly activating the energy and drawing it towards you. So that when you come home, you can let that energy out into your home. And then as you get a little bit more skilled in where you want to go, you're going to go to someplace bigger. Where, where are you living at now? I live in Port Charlotte. It's in southwest Florida. South okay, Florida. You, got plenty, you got plenty of places that you can go to around there. Well, I, was, I just asked my girlfriend about going to the Everglades because it was one of the sacred sites that they have on the map that's the closest. That you can do that. You also have the Crystal Sand Beaches in Sarasota. Oh, yeah, I've been there. That's really special. And you can gather some of the crystal sand and really make a, a special little ritual out of it. Oh, Mar some San Marco Island. You know, you got a variety of islands that you can go to also. Um, it would be very, very beneficial for you to start making these short-term pilgrimaging things and bringing the energy back to your home. It's going to elevate your abilities and really bring a lot more abundance into your field. Good, good. I've been to most of those. That's good. Um, wow. <laughs> so what's your connection with the Sasquatch? Um, I've been talking to them and stuff. Well, that's this lifetime. Okay, like I okay. said earlier, you have you are contacted by beings to heal them. So you're being contacted by the Sasquatch because you're innately a healer, whether it's your internal dialogue, external dialogue, or hands-on or alchemical form of healing. So they're communicating to you because they know the world is going through a shift and a change and that many of the Sasquatch beings who are going to come out of their hiding are going to want to heal some of their own traumas so they can be a part of the great change of the world. Um, as well as being able to learn some of the, what we would just call civilized techniques, you know, knife and fork, bathroom. That's that okay. translation process again. So in a way, you're going to assist them in how to function in civilization. And then you're going to teach other people how to function in non-civilization in the Sasquatch version of their couch and tables. Because they have those, they just don't look like our couch or tables. Oh, they have their version of television. It just it's a rock that talks to them. Okay. And we need language. And that's why they're communicating to you. The language of the now. So people truly understand that they have a culture and that species is not feral. They're vastly intelligent. And they need someone to act as the medium between the two worlds so that there's a common set of words that people can understand. Wow. Okay. Okay. I do. I want to bring Kathy in here to talk more about abundance that's coming in your life, and uh, I, I know there has been a, 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 a stop and go, stop and go on abundance here, but I think you're right on a stage where a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of abundance is a flow to you, and I think Kathy's pearls of wisdom here are really going to assist you at the bigger process you're going through. Wow! What a blessing. Hi, Scott. Hello. I really agree with Andrew. I do see a lot of abundance around you. What's been going on for you this year? Because to me, it looks like it's been, you know, chaotic, 
I'm not even going to say up and down. It's chaotic and very disjointed. Well, um, I work on myself a lot. I have for a few years or three or four. But um, I, I had to go back and work more because I'm, um, I had a house and I've sold it. And now I'm just kind of in limbo right now where my direction was going. Uh, the church I go to, the uh, mediums are like, you're a healer. You should be doing the medium work. And then I got really confused. So I went to the beach and prayed and I just know everything's from within. And so I've been working on that. And uh, you both much help. Okay, so that would account for all the turmoil, the chaos, um, the stop and start kind of things. You know, when I look at your energy, to me, it's almost like you're in that point where you're reclaiming things. So if you can imagine you are just a, a ball, right? And as you're going through the months, you keep reclaiming parts of your ball so that they're becoming more and more defined, so you are actually reclaiming all parts of yourself to become more whole. Not saying that you're not whole already, but it's like that inner knowingness and that inner being you're reclaiming back as well. And what you'll be finding throughout this year is that you'll have, mm, I don't want to say highs and lows, but it, it's like it's like the ocean. That, you know, there's ebbs and flows and then there's big waves coming in. That's kind of how I see your energy coming and going because you suddenly get a big influx because you've just reclaimed stuff and then you feel kind of low again because it's almost like once you've had that influx, you've had all that energy in, it's so re-energizing that when you don't have that as a constant, you feel like you're kind of low. But in actual fact, you're not low. It's just that you are absorbing more and uh, realigning it within yourself. So one of the things you should have found this year as well is that you may start projects, stop projects, but the ones that you start, when you start them, you have quite a bit of success, but then it's almost like your interest wanes. And when your interest wanes, then they flow back and things don't work. Would you say that's been going on for you? Yeah, that, that's pretty much. Okay. Well, in a sense, that's good because that means you're all on track. You'll find over the next, let's say, 12 months, you'll keep having these big flows and ebbs that come in and out but each time you find that the the flow comes in and you get that re-energized feeling each time afterwards you won't feel as um exhausted because you are managing to uh what is the word to absorb it within yourself and create this new more bouncy you that every time it happens it won't affect you the same in terms of you've already filling up your energy so you don't feel the ebb so much because you're already reintegrating everything into you and so you will find when you start new projects um, or even pick up older ones that you have uh, what is the way to put this it will be easy like let's say now I'll make this up let's say you were trying to start a project you weren't sure if it was for you, you did a lot of legwork, you did a lot of um, calling, getting meetings, getting it sorted, and then you kind of let it go. If you were to pick this up again and keep going with it, things would just flow. Those people that didn't call you back will call you back. Those offers that you gave people where they said they're too expensive, they will now suddenly think, oh, okay, actually it's quite reasonable. You know, things like this will happen for you. 
So one of the things that you really need to start thinking about within yourself is what is it that you want to do with the next 12 months of your life? Because when I look at you, to me, it looks like you can pretty much create a lot of abundance with many, many different things. All right, Scott, that's the music coming up for our ad. Can you please hold on and I'll come back to you as soon as the show comes back on? Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Adventures into Reality with myself, Kathy Ma, and the amazing Andrew Bartzis. And for those of you who are interested in a private session and want to go deeper with your questions with either Andrew or myself, please go ahead and call the office now at 360-894-0692, and they will be happy to answer any questions that you have. Or alternatively, you can email Tanoch, that's T-E-N-O-C-H, at galactichistorian.com. If you'd like to learn more about Andrew and all things galactic, please check out his website at andrewbartzis.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, please check out my website, which is kathyspearlsofwisdom.com. That's Kathy with a K. Okay, Scott, are you still there? I am, Kathy. Yeah, sorry about that. This pesky music that keeps coming in. <laughs> so one of the things that I see coming up for you is I know you said that um, uh, people in your church were encouraging you to do healing, hands-on healing, was it? I, I think Correct. that's what you said. Yeah. Well, to me, I actually think that that would be something that you probably might engage in in a later stage. I think right now, to me, it looks like you're much more focused on what is coming up for you um, on an individual basis. And that is kind of what, um, I guess we could say, retains your interest. To me, it looks like you have a lot of stuff to say. I mean, you have a lot of stuff to say. If you enjoyed writing, which I suspect you don't so much, you would absolutely have so much written down already. One of the things I'm going to challenge you to think about is think about the pearls of wisdom you actually have. Over the last specifically 10 years of your life, so much has happened to you, um, especially in your journey of enlightenment, let's call it. And the the trials and tribulations you went through, the angst, the joy, you know, all of that that comes with it and how you dealt with it, how you um, had to face things that you didn't want to face, etc. And then how you got through it and the type of people that were very good support for you. These are the things that you have to say to people. And these are the things that people are extremely interested in. So one of the things that you will do, I mean, I encourage you to do it earlier, but if you just can't get on board with it, that's okay. You will ultimately do it at some point. You should consider writing all this down and thinking about whether you want to put it in a book, in a blog, on a mm, uh, some sort of webinar type thing, you know, just to let people know because the more positive feedback you get from it, the more people tell you their stories when you tell them this, the more you will understand the power of the word that you have with people. Um, If you really don't like writing things down, I'd say get yourself a little dictaphone and just talk into it. And then later on, you can always tediously go through it or get someone to type it up for you and just change it from there. 
Does that make sense for you? It makes sense to me. I do that with my dreams instead of writing them down. Mm-hmm. So I record them. Mm. Well, I really think that you need to get yourself more organized to do something like this because the more you do it and the, when you start to see it written down in black and white, you'll understand more of what one of your purposes is going to be over these next few years. You have incredible insight. I mean, insight well beyond your years, you know. I'm sure people always go to you, well, I can't believe, how could you know that? I mean, you're not old enough to know all that stuff. <laughs> you know, you have to be like end of life before you know things like that. <laughs> um, but you, it's always been innate within you. Have you been able to okay. feel that yourself? I get that, yes. I, um, it's more of a knowingness, yeah. I didn't look at it as an insight, but, yeah, since I was early teens. Mm. Well, I guess we're just helping you put a lot of what you think or feel in words, you know. Sometimes it's very difficult to see something about yourself because it's something that you're so used to and that um, uh, so comes so naturally to you, you almost poo-poo it as a gift. Um, but one of the things I also want to highlight with this is should you put any of this out and you want to, like, uh, sell it, um, use it to springboard off another product, this will create a lot of financial abundance for you. You think it's impossible, but I'm telling you, it is totally possible. You have to well, just dare to imagine it. Okay, I'll dare. Good. I like it. <laughs> because it really is something that's going to give you a lot of financial freedom. Okay. And at the same time, it's going to be such a feel-good factor for you because the positive feedback that, that people give you and to tell you how much you affected change in them to, you know, when they were lost, to just see your words and be inspired and feel they're not alone. I mean, that kind of feedback for you is what will spur you on because it's very difficult to conceive how powerful your words are until people tell you. Yeah, I would agree. Mm. So I, I love that a lot. Another thing I'm going to say to you is this year is not a year for you to do any investing or lending of money. It's coming up really strongly with me right now. So whatever it is that you are thinking about or about to think about, don't think about it this year, only next year. Okay. I was thinking about buying a house. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying you can't buy it, but I'm saying I don't see gain. Okay. So if there's don't, no gain, especially don't lend anyone any money. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a gift, not a loan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you can accept it, it's a gift. <laughs> it's a gift. You get it back. It's a gift too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, I, you both were so wonderful, and I appreciate your hard work. I um, I got so much out of um, going to Seattle and listening to you both, and, and especially Andrew. And um, it was just phenomenal, the people I met, everything. Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for attending the event and making it part of the awesome experience that we all had. Oh, it was so awesome. 
<sighs> well, I can't breathe. <laughs> I know, I know. And you still feel that connection, right? It's really hard. <laughs> it's so elevated. I, I looked at everybody. I connected really deep with people. And uh, it was just like there was nobody at the bar. There was one guy. He wasn't part of our crew. But everybody was just sitting there talking. It was it was so beautiful. It was so calm. It felt so great. Oh, good, good. Did you manage to make some new friends? Did you change tables? Oh, I changed tables every time. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so you were listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's me too, but... Um, so, it makes yeah. such a difference when you actually change the tables and you start engaging with other people. And then, you know, when I put the tools on the table and began some of the meditations with it, you know, as people began to understand the power of, you know, putting into your marrow and putting into your blood, you know, the mystical experience, people began to share. And from my perspective on stage, I saw that golden frequency connect to everyone's crown chakras and these little, you know, lightning bolts of storm energy coming out and assisting people into the next level of creation. Wow. Wow. And you were there yeah. <laughs> when it all happened. <laughs> you were bearing like, witness for people. I really appreciate it. Yes. Well, Scott, we've got to move on to the next caller. It's been great talking to you, and there will be another Living the Mystical Life daily event. Everyone keep on keep a lookout in your emails. We'll be putting all that information together. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob. You're welcome. Right. You're See, welcome. Scott. Bye, Scott. Wow, Andrew, that was absolutely amazing. It's so great to just still be connected with people from the event. It's so hard to leave. I think everyone I, I felt that. <laughs> it, was, it was very hard to leave. And I think, you know, on, on that Monday when I was getting all my stuff and getting ready to go, I'm like, oh, my God, I did it. It's over. And then my personal streams of, you know, advancement came, and my drive home was my own galactic drive home. <laughs> it was a spaceship, wasn't it? I it knew was, it. My, 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 uh, my Acura MDX was, was my, little, my little, you know, four-wheeled spaceship for that drive home, yes. <laughs> I, I found myself seeing a map of our entire universe, and it, it was showing me where every stream of light has gone. And wherever streams of light have not gone is a dark space, not meaning not leaning darkness as in bad, meaning light has not been there yet. Mm. And, and then I began to understand what's innate in our DNA is where light has gone. And when we finish our transition and accept our responsibilities as being, you know, DNA wisdom beings of immortality that can go through various life processes, we too will return to the stars where light has not gone before. And that'll be our journey into the mantle of responsibility of understanding consciousness is light and just many forms of reality. Wow. There are wow. thousands and thousands of realities of light out there yet undiscovered. Goodness, that's kind of daunting. It is, but it's, it, it, you know, like when the new world was discovered, you know, it wasn't a true story, but it's the metaphor still applies. Mm. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, we know Christopher Columbus didn't actually found America. There were a half dozen people before him that did. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> but 
same concept. You know, yeah. we the concept, you know, when man first went to the moon, that whole undiscovered country of space. Mm. You know, we still have undiscovered countries here on our uh, undiscovered areas in our world, our deep oceans, our underground and our dream space. Mm. Yes, that's so true. I mean, it, there's lots of uncharted territory, really. Yeah. And it, we don't need corporations and governments to put their flags or charge people for going to see these things. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I met a couple of girls at the event who mm. had a question. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, Juliet and Joni, which well, they were wonderful. Thank you so much for chatting to me. But their question, they were asking about why is there another small sun right under our big sun? And Juliet was saying that she's seen it in Ireland many times and a friend of hers actually, actually accidentally took a picture of it. And Joni actually had a picture of that also in her phone that she showed me. Mm -hmm. So there have been a variety of second sun pictures that have been coming out since as, as early as 1950, actually. Oh. So what happens is our sun exists in a single frequency and point of time. And it is in a spiral concept, like a wavelength. So it's got planets that are in front of it and behind it. So everything's like a big corkscrew. Our sun is now moving into a position of much denser space. This is known as the galactic central plane. And on the other side, there's a line, and we're inside the line. So the line, you know, if you're drawing with a pencil, the, the line, pencil lines, if you're using a marker, it's certain thick. We're inside the line right now. And what that means as the sun encounters resistance in the denser material, it fades in and out of reality. And it makes this concept of a second sun. Now, once we come out of the galactic central plane, there will be a second sun, but not in the same perception as we see in physical space and time. It will be observable and visible as we go further from the galactic central plane and that sun goes further in the other direction because it is representing a separation of densities. Those that are ready to continue with the advancement of golden knowledge and wisdom and light versus those that are still dealing with anger, pain, traumas, and all of those other things that make this world full of color and contrast that we all may not exactly like. So it represents the separation of densities at the solar system level. Those that cannot enter the higher form of light will have another solar system and another Earth that is its own mystical duplicate so that it can go on to their own finishing process before they can return to the galactic return to our sun and continue back on our process. Because it is a multi-dimensional concept. You can live two lives at once. Oh. Wow. So if it goes in and out because of that, that would make sense that you can only sometimes see it because of the right. planes. Exactly. Oh, wow. Now, there are other people that call it Nibiru and all this other stuff, and I, I say bull hockey. Poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> Poo-poo. Because if it was a real physical manifest object of celestial origin, we would be experiencing completely different expressions. Completely different. We would have celestial communication. We don't. There is no new celestial objects changing the massness of our Akashic record. There are off-world beings that have massive giant ships, but they are not changing the nature of the Akashic record. 
they are still in interpreting and interacting with the Akashic Record at its background frequency, the galactic scale of time. This solar scale of time recognizes them, and as they are part of the Akashic Record, but they are not making celestial impact, because a celestial object has a celestial consciousness behind it that is, is its own set of contracts, vows, and agreements that affect the celestial scale of the Akashic Record. You know, when you say it, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I, I spent decades for myself trying to understand what the two suns meant, what five suns meant, what 28 suns meant. Earth is a seventh dimensional galactic seed planet and it is capability of teleporting. And oftentimes when people look up in the sky and they see other things there that aren't supposed to be there like suns and comets, it's because Earth is starting to make that transition back into being a multifunctional photonic light planet, meaning it's starting to create temporary versions of itself in other places of space-time, and we begin to be connected to Earth at a level, and we're beginning to see we have many more options that are coming to us. Mm. Okay. Wow, that's taking a whole new level. My mind's kind of grappling with that. And then in galactic history, I explained about Lemurian air cities and light cities that exist within our upper stratosphere. Mm -hmm. And these are bridgeway points or city bridge points that allow us on the physical world to learn to meditate ourselves and travel to the city in a meditative form and then somewhat solidify on the other side. And it's not by location. It's more like clairvoyance, clairaudience, remote viewing with like a cartoonish figure of yourself that can interact with other light beings in a, in a light city um, that's at the edge of the stratosphere. And then you'll be able to jump off from that city to portals that take you to other places where Earth is going to be exist simultaneously existing. And it's a transition and a learning place where you can learn all of the things that come with the manifest and unmanifest of the body. How to climatize yourself to another light world environment because light worlds are different. You know, you go to Mars and it still falls, falls under the solar system constructs of the solar system. When you go to a brand new solar system, they may have a completely different form of light interaction, incarnation, reincarnation, re reincarnation action. And you will need to learn the subtle skills of manifesting the right energy, the right concepts, the right vows and agreements with celestial sources so that you aren't negatively affected by the background environment, which could be radically different from what you know here. Mm. Yeah, I guess it would be as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just like moving from one city to another, because cities share the common realities. You know, imagine moving from one reality to another reality that functions totally different. Mm. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, it would. And you would need transition places to learn about them. Exactly. I'm thinking, how would you even cope? <laughs> That's what these light cities are about. That's what these cities of light that exist in the air, mm. in the stratosphere. Okay. Wow. Ooh. You know, I learn a new thing every day when I talk to you. Not even just one, several new things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't need to learn anything else during the week. I just... Tune in on Monday and that's it. It's <laughs> so my learning for the week. Learning for the week. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. I'm sure that we've totally answered and addressed Julia and Joni's question there. Yeah, I think that to totally covers it. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well beyond. <laughs> oh, but, you know, so many people had so many interesting experiences and wanted to talk with us about it at this event. It, it was really great. And just to be able to share some of the things that they'd heard you talk about and then they experienced it, it was just so wonderful for them to, for them to be able to share it with us, but not only us, everyone else at the event, because they finally found a whole family, I, yep. I think I'm going to call it, of like-minded people that all understand what they're talking about. And this yep. is the one thing that a lot of people, you know, when they were talking to you, it was coming through that they they just <coughs> loved it because some of them lived in very small towns especially and mm -hmm. they felt kind of alienated from their everyday life, yep. uh, didn't know where to find people to really have a good natter about this stuff. So mm -hmm. that was great that they had this chance. You know, I can't wait till we do the next one. I <laughs> know. <laughs> It's only a year away. Only a year away. just like that. <laughs> exactly. Well, how about we move on to our next caller? Sao Fung, are you there? Sao Fung, are you there? You have to unmute. Uh, face looks very familiar. I think she was at the event also. Sao Fung. Hello. Unmute. Unmute. Knock, knock. Knock, <laughs> <laughs> knock, 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 multidimensional knock. <laughs> Save everyone from us telling a joke. <laughs> yeah, you'll be stuck you'll be stuck with my bad jokes. <laughs> the galactic jokes. <laughs> Come on, Salfong. Hello. She's frozen in time right now. Yes, frozen in time. In, frozen <laughs> in no time. <laughs> um, Jake, are you there? Hello, Jake. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? Good, Jake. How you doing today? I'm doing amazingly well. It's such, a, such an honor to speak to you and Kathy again, and uh, the event was just, just amazing. I mean, really. Thank you. Um, so what, what were some of the experiences you had? Oh, there's, there's so many. I mean, uh, reconnecting with soul family members. And uh, I think on the second day, I had a really powerful uh, awakening and uh, energy release with one of the tools that you had. I was sat at the front by the quartz, crystal, and Moldavite uh, yeah. energy fountain. And that shook off quite a lot of dense energy in my fields. And uh, um, I think during the... The galactic, the galactic uh, med meditation. I, I really became source. I became uh, either the galactic central sun or the universe in itself. And um, yeah, it was just, a, it was just, there was just so much. Um, when you were talking about Jupiter as well, that really triggered me. Um, that that really brought resolution back a lot of. Man. past lives to do with being a planet mm -hmm. yeah um just coming to terms with what i'd done um but mm -hmm. positive and negative mostly negative mm -hmm. actually um it was it was it's but it was a release that was the key yeah because it, it, it it's uh it is sad it is it is very sad when you 
when you see a whole race of people or of beings uh, destroyed or uh, yeah I mean it's all in the past but <laughs> I mean now, now you have a, a more personal understanding of what I was saying where earth was the good guys and they said stop a rate stop attacking our worlds or we're going to go and remote assassinate your celestial sources remember me talking about that in galactic history yeah yeah <laughs> Um, imagine imagine witnessing yourself and doing that to 500 billion worlds in a single day. Yeah. <laughs> that was the immensity that I was facing. But I also understood I was watching that for a reason. And if I fell into polarity and charge with it, I would never learn. Never learn the bigger story. How many times have you heard science or scientists say, you look up in the night sky and if you really understand that most of those lights and those worlds have already gone out because they're so far away. Yeah. Light out there right now can be intercepted before it goes out. That's known as time traveling. When the remote assassination concepts that were done at the celestial sources, it was to remove all of their lights simultaneously. Wow. Yeah. That's the scale at which we were functioning then. And now we are taking up the mantle of responsibility so we don't do that again. So that we don't incite new sets of concepts that can erase light. You know, one of my experiences coming home from the event, like I just said, is I saw a map of where all light has been. And that includes the light that has gone out. And that was my deeper understanding of what living the mystical life daily is. It's preparing people so that they can travel as their own source light beings who still have a manifest body here, who are going through the process of letting go of the separation of dualities and accepting they are a singular being in non-competition, non-hierarchical order, equal co-creation, allowing hindsight and foresight to flow in any moment past, present, or future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange. I've been uh, deliberating about what to talk about uh, in the past week since the event. And, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wanted to talk actually about uh, sexuality. Okay. And, and the divine masculine. That's that's our music. Just hold on, and when we come back, we'll talk about sexuality and divine masculine. And welcome back, everyone. As Skype is playing its own orchestra of dropping and taking back calls. <clears throat> Jake, are you there? Still here. Um, Alrighty. So you wanted to talk about sacred masculine and sacred sensuality? Yeah. Um, I think for my own personal developments, um, and also due to your teachings and a number of other teachers I follow, um, synchronicities have occurred in, in a sense. And um, I think relationships and, and sexuality is is the next big thing that will, will shift for, for us. And... Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask about the nature of divine masculine and in in particular about domi domination and, and 
and you talk about domination and control in the si- by, uh, as a system in itself, um, but in terms of the masculine energy, um, maybe you could shed some light on how on what domination is in a. Uh, I'm not going to okay. say positive, positive sense, but so you know, the, kind of- yeah, the nature of relationships is going to change. Where let me use a metaphor: male uses domination in passive aggressiveness, basically. Now the female will will equal the amount of passive aggressiveness that the male does. That's their reflection process. Now in this metaphysical concept of how relationships exchange energy, a male will have an expectation that the female will do the female's duties and the females will have an expectation the male will do the male duties at the most basic, subtlest emotional levels that don't have language. So that is where the most basic fundamentals of domination and control affect the masculine and the feminine. Now, different concepts come up in both every person's life. You may have a a young girl growing up who has a very perverted mother. Perverted meaning she's very masculine because their father is not not around. So the the girl growing up will be confused that masculine and feminine energies are, are, are different. And then her form of subtle control may be more male. And then you may have another man who has a very powerful, aggressive father, and he grows up to be a powerful, aggressive person who becomes a jock in high school and beats kids up. So that is another form of obtuse domination. But it still comes from the foundational imprints that we learn from our mother and father and our surroundings. Unlearning domination will be cutting back into the word dominion. Are you familiar with that word? Uh, yeah, 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 to an extent. Okay, so dominion is where we are not each o- we are not each other's keepers, but are still in creation with each other. We are still working together to gain the common moral code of, you know, uh, you know, to attain that code, the common moral code of do no harm to any sentient kind, and then what is allowing harm to any sentient kind, stepping on their journey, ending their life process, or ch- radically altering their life process because we, from a different scale of understanding, believe we have control over them because we control our reality. That's that fundamental subtleness that science promotes. We control our reality. In truth, we do control our reality. Our consciousness manifests our reality. So if our consciousness has been imprinted by science and spirit and humanity and culture, you have a soup of creation and miscreation that goes on. And relationships are those compartmentalized expressions between two people where they're trying to work out their extra compartmental issues, subtle control, subtle domination, overt or obtuse domination and control. When we get to the higher layers of of friendship where it's not about relationships and sexual and sensual behaviors together, it's about truly changing Um, life experiences, growing with the person, knowing full well that person will be within your life for many years to come, you are working at a different level where you are working against emotional distancing. You know, everyone faces this concept of emotional distancing. So once we begin to challenge why we must feel emotionally distant, 
or there is some program creating emotional distance, we must learn to uncreate it, sometimes in subtle formats and others in obtuse formats, where we must do a massive clearing ritual upon ourselves. And then as we see the, the hit cyclical habit pattern return, we go and do little micro rituals that begin to erase its process from us. When you're dealing with people that are going to be in your life for a long time, like a, a loved, like a, an aunt or an uncle or a cousin that you just really loved when you were growing up and you see all the time, when they become their own version of relationships and have something that's separate of yours, you have another type of relationship, what we call the third wheel, that we can't love each other equally when in fact we can love each other equally. And that's some of the constraints and restraints of relationships. This is why polyamorous concepts have showed up and have done great harm to our society. That's why it is included in the divine feminine revocation. In the divine masculine revocation, it talks about the sex industry and child abuse, etc. But it does not talk about threesomes and etc. and polyamorous concepts. Because men innately are going to sample the light of other beings. And women are innately going to be more selective. Now, when we look at this innate concept built inside them, one is selective and one is going to test the waters, that makes a form of competition. And living the mystical life daily was about assisting people in equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order. Sexual processes in this courting things have hierarchical courtship processes in them. And many of those concepts will be looked at in a different way, where the perspective will not be limited by the old courting rituals. Let's go to the mall and have our first date. Who pays for it? So on and so forth. All of those are exchanges, you know, going Dutch. You know, how does that change the nature of the experience that you've just had? It subtly puts forward we are equal and we are not get, allowing anyone to have a little upper or downward in the sensual or sexual flow. When we combine all of these concepts, you have a multi-dimensional view of all relationships and that the fundamentals of them are going to change. Many relationships are are, are believe it or not are subtly and, and are almost fully based around food example many mothers around the world will connect to this they've been feeding their kids you know since the moment it was not sucking on their nipple or in their umbilical cord so you have a food relationship where mothers have a very special relationship when people are sitting at their table eating their food okay those are Examples of how to see relationships, process relationships, and understand that the subtle layers, the domination and control is there. And you can remove it day by day, step by step, ritual by ritual, until you don't need the ritual anymore because it's innate in your life. You've made the changes enough. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah, I completely um, can tap into all of that and, and, and agree. Um, I think the question stemming from all that in relation to divine masculine and and what i meant by domination and and, and dominion is that masculine king archetypal energy um of i think many people nowadays i, I don't know i i shouldn't generalize let me, let me help you. 
Yeah. Kings is an entirely human-generated world that none of the off-world beings intentionally created. We created it, and they go, wow, that's a really cool concept, guys. Thank you for giving us the key for taking you over. <laughs> Does that help? Yeah, no, it wasn't so much in terms of hierarchical order. It was more in terms of, of coming into, like you said, dominion as, right. as a man and, and, and how... Uh, you know, talking about the feminist movement that you mentioned in the in the contract publications, how the demasculation of, of of the divine feminine, sorry, sorry, divine masculine, through the the anger and resentment by 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 women, rightly so, because of the patriarchy, that's mm-hmm. creating this blurring of 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 the lines of our genders, and 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 it's just understanding how a man can stand in his own power without stepping on someone else's path. And you yes, you yeah. do this in sacred places. You you learn to find where the ley lines intersect and you bring yourself to those places or special places and you turn on your male energy in there. You make your sacred space there and then you get to feel the fullness of your masculine energy protected by the divine feminine of this planet and the diva spirits that are working with the local land that you're on. Have you heard me say before, men go out and seek and women find within? Uh, I, I probably have, yeah. I, 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 what it is, is men for their spiritual sexuality, when they truly want to raise their sexual energies and have the highest layers of kundalini release, will share an intense sensual time with their woman or their bonded partner for weeks, when they will have zero sexual release during that time. And then they will come to a culmination point where they'll be make a decision of where they're going to where they're going to pilgrimage to, and then there'll be a sexual release between the two, as the male goes off to pilgrimage to the place, and the woman goes within, and tries to see the vision of the man going to the place to turn on his sexual energy, to bring it into his energy field, divine feminine, divine masculine, and equal co-creation, non-competition in a sacred place, bring that energy into them, and then return to the sacred pilgrimage as the as the as the feminine is guiding prayers to make the journey perfect and so on and so forth. And then when he returns, he has sacred seed that can create children or create intense sexual experiences of great psychic importance to the individuals. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds totally like different that. look on sexuality, isn't it? Yeah, it's so much more empowered. It's, it's, I can see it, and it's, right. yeah, it's, well, I, I, it's going to be interesting to, to try that out, I guess. Um, well, it's, it's about those that want to gain a relationship, like I said, is going to be more long-term, meaning you trust these people to look over you on your pilgrimage. You trust them innately so that when you return, that the sacred seed you're bringing is not, it, it may not, you, you can still not have a child from it, that's fine, but the energy can go into some other form of alchemical close process where the closeness of energy between the two allows telepathic communication, shared dream world communication, you know, advanced concepts like that. Mm. Yeah, I guess at where we're at collectively, um, what will it take for both, you know, the, the masculine, feminine, and male and female to find resolution when it comes to understanding that 
masculinity innately as, as you've described it is testing the waters and 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 the feminine is you know um selectiveness yes yeah how how we we find trust in each other in doing that and you're talking about polyamory and i've 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 thought about it a lot and and when i read the divine feminine revocation i, I didn't understand because um from certain other teachers um hello I'm here. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. From certain other teachers that I've uh, experienced, um, it, it just seems as if that's where we're heading as well. Is, is polyamorous relationships, but based in trust, based in the idea that you are a sovereign, sentient being, and I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. But that we come together and co-create so, the sensual experience. Th this is where I will differ from some of the teachers that are out there. I still believe that soul families will become far more dominant and redefine the way culture and sexuality and sensuality works, where the selectiveness of the female will become so precise that the nature of synchronicities in our celestial world will bring true love far more, and polyamory will be seen as a tool of the old past that had some layer of success but ultimately failed like the big five religions. Okay. And I will reiterate, polyamory is one of those things that has been around for thousands of years, but the only reason polyamory existed was because of the sex slave and trade industry and the prostitution industries throughout the many different eras of our world. Harems. It's based in domination. The fundamentals of it are to service the male, and if you begin using tantric concepts within that, it truly doesn't bring the female to full orgasmic release with the full spiritual alchemy in, in, engaged. It still has the male taking the, the, the portion of energy from the multiple female concepts to insert into his own energy field to have the simulated experience of going out and pilgrimaging and taking energy from the earth. That's still domination. Yeah, so, okay. so, so there must be a, um, I don't know, go on. If you, if right, you so there will be soul families that have been separated for so long that they will have polyamorous activities of sensuality without sexual release. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a blissful touch where, where, where someone you love touched you on a certain way and it just caused bliss in within you? I think so. Um, it's hard to, I guess it's hard to define with our language what, what this, this is in many ways as well. Um, but but we, I've had definitely like a, a relief. Okay. So, Have you ever been emotionally challenged one day and then somebody gives you a hug and you feel different? Oh, yeah. Okay. That is what sensual expressions are supposed to be. So a touch can create the same release as a hug in emotional moments, where four or five hours of sensual touching in a group of people in a non-competition process without the engagement of sexual energies, you get these incredible touch releases, mm. hug releases, back-to-back -back releases as you share the releasing of a trauma. Sensuality is not sexuality. And too many of our cultural concepts call sensuality first base, second base, third base, etc.
sensuality was never meant to engage the direct sexual process unless it was a part of the building of the kundalini to have some form of massive psychic communication to the spirit world. Oftentimes sexual rituals were done so that they can communicate to the diva spirits so they could raise their frequency and get to the level of having their own self-oracle. Innately, women seek within and they are their own self-oracle once a month when they do their bleeding process. That is the time where sisters come together and share sensual touch. It is a whole different process and we men see this as eroticized when it shouldn't be. It should be an incredible healing experience and where men can be selectively brought in there to experience their own release because men too have their own, their own period every month, their own male menstrual cycle. We don't acknowledge it. We don't deal with it. And it's not a part of our future processes until we can somehow engage our sensual life force and be able to touch your, your, your hands or your genital areas and not have a thinking of I'm doing something sexual or I'm taking a pee, that I am truly healing the energy of the flesh in that area that I know is a part of my thought process of sexuality and sensuality each day. Driving down the street and you see a beautiful woman go by, men cannot help it. Mm. Eh? Cannot help it. We are the seekers. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And on another level, sexuality is so confused in our world. We have people that are bisexual, trisexual, you know, everything under the sun. And that has come from war, sexual slavery, and domination. That is the only reason this society is this perverted. To support the tools of war, you needed prostitutes to service the war and you needed slaves to service the war and oftentimes the 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 soldiers would take their own whatever they wanted and rape people left and right and it became industrialized you heard about in yugoslavia the rape camps that's common throughout our history which has perverted sexuality in a in a massive way to the point where pornography exists the way we do, way it does now which just revert you know it's it's rape camps on tv with people signing contracts to do it yeah it's it's it is it's so tough as a man to detoxify from that especially and um what would you recommend for for us men to let go of pornography and to actually um, truly get rid of the sexual addiction that that is is rampant in our world in many ways. Because I'm going to throw you a, a curveball, and I'm going to answer your question. But I want Kathy to come in and have her her piece on sexuality and sensuality and the male that's dealing here, because her part is vital too. Kathy's great at this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow with that kind of intro i'm a bit almost scared to say anything <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry jake i actually uh, lost connection at the beginning so i'm um i'm just guessing you wanted to know more about the divine masculine and masculine energy from yeah. what i've heard recently yeah yeah pretty much and um just how us as men can assist 
the the female by becoming our in, in our own power and then go over the, the distorted and um, perversions over you know created by the system of domination and control and mm-hmm. how we can you know truly engage with women in our own sexuality and not be in conflict between the two which kind of feels like in some instances it, it could be that way where you know the objectification of women especially is 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 still it's, it's everywhere you know it's uh it's mm-hmm. still there. and uh yeah, just well, it's, pers- it's a timeless situation really for us historically um you know the, the objectifying of women um has been something that you know you, you go back anywhere over the history that we know it and has been there oh i tell you what we're coming up to the ad why don't you just hold on and we'll address this issue as soon as we get back Welcome back, everyone, to Adventures into Reality with myself, Kathy Ma, and the amazing Andrew Bartzis. Most of you know him as the Galactic Historian. <laughs> I do call him the Giant Head sometimes, but he is amazing and awesome and knows all things galactic. If you would like to learn more about him, please check out his website, which is andrewbartzis.com. If you'd like to learn more about me, you can check out my website, which is kathyspearlsofwisdom.com. That's Kathy with a K. And remember, everyone, you can get a private session with Andrew or myself by contacting Tanoch. That's T-E-N-O-C-H at Tanoch at galactichistorian.com. And we'll be able to help you get to the bottom of your issues and help you see a better way ahead. And I'd also like to say a special shout out to everyone in the chat room. Thank you so much for always being there. And uh, Stratos, it's really great that you've heard such great things at, at, about our event and that you'll be there next year. So that is really good. And Mandy1818, it was really great to meet you at the event. Big hello to you. Sorry we didn't get more time to talk with you. Um, but so thank you for coming to our event. And I'm really glad to hear that it has completely changed your life. That is just the most awesome feedback. And both I and Andrew are really just, you know, seeing those words just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> well, maybe a girl's way of saying is warm and fuzzy. That's probably a masculine way to say that. But it's all feel good factor. <laughs> so, Jake, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, so we were talking about um, sexuality and the way uh, a lot of males view women and objectifying it, um, them in terms of sexuality and the way they see them. And one of the things that I'd say about that is, um, I guess, how can I put this? If you would like to sort of desensitize yourself to that kind of objectifying women scenario Mm, thought process, uh, I don't even know how to put it, but that kind of concept. One of the things that you can do is really start to think about what is it that you find is objectifying women when you see them in, you know, media today, um, movies, you know, uh, risque kind of pictures, etc. Because it's a lot of it is all about what is those pull points. Okay, so Andrew explained it very well when he was describing the difference between sensuality and eroticism because you can have 
sensuality over either sex, you know, male or female, but it is not necessarily erotic. It's when you combine them and from your sensuality sexual, uh, slash sexuality and then morph that into eroticism, that's where you start to run into trouble, let's call it. So what, you know, male or female can do, because I have to say, being a female myself, there is a lot of things out there that also objectify men. I mean, it's not like we don't have strippers that do things at bachelorette parties or 21st birthday parties, etc. So, you know, both sides have that, mm, should we say, tied with the same brush. But one of the things that, that you can do is really break it down for yourself. Break it down to have a look at what is it that that really is pushing your buttons to, to um, take the appreciation of the sensuality and pushing it into the eroticism. And often you'll find it is because when you go back to when you were very young, that is the way you were socialized, that is the way you were taught, that is what your parents showed you, that is what your friends showed you, that's what your family showed you. And, you know, you're most people were taught that it's not good to touch their sexual organs or, of course, touch the sexual organs of the opposite sex because you're way too young to be understanding what all that is about uh, with with a, uh, a partner or someone else. But for yourself, you've already been taught at a young age that touching those organs is a precursor to erotic sensation. Part of it is, of course, your actual physical body is reacting to it because when you're that young, everything is very sensual and you're very pure in your, the way that you feel things. But then you are taught that, you know, if you're going to do things like that, you either, number one, don't do it in public. Number two, do it on your own um, with the bedroom door shut. Uh, number three, only do it with someone you love, etc., etc. So as you go older in life, you're being taught more and more ways to control that eroticism that you feel or that you sense. And you often mix it up with sensuality and sexuality. So by the time you get to adolescent, you're thinking, you know, okay, that's definitely something I'm going to do in my room. I'm not going to tell my mom about. And I'm not going to share it with many people that I, I know because it's uh, a bad thing to talk about. And then when you reach the time where you're sexually active, it's almost just too exciting for words because suddenly you're getting all this um, physical release, this sexual energy release, this erotic sexual energy release getting out of the way and you have that complete bliss feeling. And then what you do with that because generally speaking, you do not get taught what to do with that energy. I mean, there are a few people that may have sexual encounters with older people that can explain it to them, but for a majority of people, you were having that experience with similar age people and, you know, nobody knows. So you kind of stumble around in the dark with it and then you go towards the media who then tell you what it is, how you should react, you know, such as you should uh, watch pornography, uh, read pornography, and then you will have the erotic release and the pornography, of course, is all sexually um, motivated, scantily clad people, etc. So you yourself then start to mold the way you think, the way that you react to these situations in accordance with, you know, the socialization that you've been subjected to. So to go back to my original point, it's, it's more about you having to look at what it is 
that makes you feel that sensuality? What is it that makes you jump over to the erotic sensation? Because when you can clearly start to define it for yourself, you can actually enjoy the sensuality without it having to jump to the eroticism. It's a very, very long and hard process because differentiating those feelings that you have is quite difficult and often very frustrating because you can't get to the differentiate the differing um, feelings. So one of the easiest ways to do it is to start writing it down, maybe even put it in your journal, so that over time, when you're charting it yourself, you can work out what are your trigger points, what is it that you start to, to flick into the objectifying people and then having the erotic sensations. What is it that you can then think, you know what, I could replicate that in another situation if I wanted, that doesn't need the stimulus. Does that kind of make sense for you? Oh yeah, yeah, that was, um, that was amazing. That was, that was so Kathy, nice. that was brilliant. Okay, I'm sorry, I was thinking, wow, is that too wordy? <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> when you see those words in text, you're gonna be like, wow, I am one smart woman. <laughs> well, some of them on my tongue was getting a bit, oh. <laughs> yeah. If you can define those things, and you know, really put them in a box, you will have the power over how you react to situations. You will have that personal choice, that personal empowerment to react in the sensual way or the erotic way. And therefore, socialization will have no effect on you over this issue. You can say poo-poo to everyone that formed you, to the person that you are, and recreate yourself to be the being that you want. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 it. You've, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's super. <laughs> exactly, Kathy. Could you also touch on the negative side of polyamory and how it's imprinted into us? Multiple lovers. Mm. You know, I tell you, one of the things when I when I look at something like that is people often don't truly understand why they do that. Not being able to find satisfaction with one person at one time or one span of time, need the need to share multiple experiences, whether it's at the same time or in a short span of time, really goes back to having to look at the core person. Like, how can I put this in a good way? It, if you cannot find that satisfaction within yourself, to be able to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with one person in a span of time and you're continually looking for the next experience, it really has to be addressed that you are not completely, number one, giving yourself in that experience and uh, letting yourself have that true experience. And two, it, it's like, okay, the, actually two, I'm going to use an example. It's like you're going into a, a hotel buffet everything's on the table it's a smorgasbord and rather than just see oh you know what i love that lobster i'm like so instead of me just going to get the lobster which i know is good for me i love it and i want to spend all my time eating the lobster to totally enjoy it instead of doing that i've got the lobster on my plate and i'm like oh look there's oysters over there and oh shrimp over there and oh is that chocolate mousse and Instead of just truly enjoying that experience, 
I'm wasting all my time by dispersing my time and energy, looking at all this stuff, grabbing it, putting it all on my plate. And by the time I get back to my table and I try to eat it, none of it tastes good anymore. And then I leave the table feeling dissatisfied and like it was, was not worth it. So then I'm looking for the next buffet. And that's kind of... With a cheaper price. Yeah. To put a crude example, that's kind of what it is. It's like <laughs> if you cannot have that connection with a person and be happy with it, you have to address what's up with you that you cannot allow yourself to address it. And possibly it is that person in that particular instance. But then the fact that you keep going, you know, and getting more experiences and having more people, you have to start questioning what it is that you're looking for and what is that fulfillment you think you're not getting. Is it that you're just not allowing yourself time to properly enjoy it? Or is it you think you're in a buffet and it's all smorgasbord time from 12 to 2? <laughs> mm -hmm. At 2 o'clock, bewitching hour, no more yeah. buffet. <laughs> this is all you can eat, not eat all you can. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly it you know one has to really address your own issue as why that behavior is keep being replicated and this goes across many cultures and different races different countries different time zones different i don't know decades centuries some people are going to have this issue and it's always going to come back to the same thing what is it you think you're not getting or not allowing yourself to have that you find this incredible thirst and need for to keep going to get more? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. But at the same time, I'm kind of, can you actually, if we're here to experience and, 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 and true experience, I understand the buffet uh, analogy. But can we actually fully focus on one person or one like one avenue, uh, one like um, mm. one section of that buffet at a time, and yet still experience the whole buffet? Or is it that, that's the question? It's like how do you determine? This, okay, I, I get what you're saying, but think of it more like this. I'll give you a question to your question: Is do you really need to have the whole buffet? I like that. Right. Is it? Is it not? Do you need all those calories? <laughs> yeah. You know, if that that's one a lot of karma to work off. If that one <laughs> dish was that good and that special, why do you need the rest of the buffet? Yeah, that's a good question. And right, if, you I guess, I guess. if you don't spend that time and energy enjoying that one dish, like really enjoying that lobster and licking it, sucking it, you know, <laughs> how it was cooked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. All right. <laughs> I gave out dualistic. <laughs> All right, let's summarize what fully enjoy the lobster. <laughs> fully enjoy the lobster. Yeah, because there are so many aspects to having the lobster. Not only the visual appreciation, the taste, the um, texture, the juiciness, everything. There, there is just so many things that involve with just that one little lobster that how on earth are you going to have time to even to be going around the rest of the buffet? Because if you were truly enjoying it and you were fully focused on it and you were into it, then you really, that's all you would see. And 
you would feel fulfilled because, you know, even though the buffet's finished at two, you're still going and you can take it with you. Yeah. I mean, that's the pride out of your fingers. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> here's another thing. So if you have two people that are in a relationship and want to have an open relationship, the third person is just the lobster they're tasting over and over again. That third person doesn't become part of the fullness of experience of the relationship. See, even your phone agrees. <laughs> so in a bigger polyamorous sense, when you have groups of people sharing relationships, they're just the morsel being tasted by the other experiencer. They're not truly a part of the growing experience. That's why I was trying describing before soul families would get together and the way that they're going to do healing is sensual and sexuality. It's the way they're going to work through the, the extremely long distances of time that they haven't been together where you may have a small group of people that come together and have a very shortened sensual experience. It leads to some form of, you know, sexual release between a handful of them, but that's what brings them to the great closeness that they're going to begin to experience. You know, we've all heard the story of true love at first sight, and you just knew. Well, that's going to be far more easily available when the subtle controls that, uh, that both men and women have, the subtle domination that both men and women have, fall to the wayside. And, and the trueness of the experience is more valued than the taste of the experience. It's interesting that you bring that up because um, I think in our culture, people question that and thinking is that neediness or desperation when you have that experience of love at first sight, when you question yourself and you question mm -hmm. why, why, why I, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't have to go, I don't have it right now. And that's expectation and that's still domination of the reality. True love happens at its own synchronistic time. You don't put a dollar bill down or do a ritual and make it happen. That's domination. What about if it's a karmic pattern that just needs to be released for the sake of it being released, but it's not actually true love? Because I've had an experience before where I've, I've, I've seen someone recognize History, history is full of examples like that, where people said, if I don't know and I don't take the chance to find out, I'm going to regret this, not doing this the rest of my life. And you go and you have the relationship and it was a disaster, but you learned, well, I tried, but I knew innately if I didn't try, I would regret it the rest of my life. Yeah. Okay. So those happen. And generally, those are spiritual contracts that the fetus created in the womb. You'll hear me talk about who's your third grade teacher, who's going to be your first person that teaches you about love and breaking up and how it's going to imprint the rest of all your relationships that are going to come. Now, there are times that people go and sample the $1.99 steak, a 12-ounce steak. Who's going to eat a $1.99 12-ounce steak? Not many, right? And then that, that, that representation is both the male and female, meaning those crappy relations, those $1.99 relationships that you, you decided to stop at a truck stop bar and have and are going to be crapping out later going, I wish I never did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's all part of the experience, isn't it? It's, it's, it's equally as valuable. Would you, unless you can access your past lives in a way and actually, you know, see that. You can. 
you can, and, and in actuality, it's the mantle of responsibilities to acknowledge our past lives and what's imprinting them, and then to clear them out so that this fetus of this generation that has grown to this being has the fullness ability in their dream world to create synchronicities in their future or in their present. But because we are so truly disconnected from our greater spirits and higher beings, things like sensuality, sexuality, and relationships have been perverted and contrasted so much that to get back to some form of sacredness to them is going to take a challenge of people having to say, I don't need to have my second plate of shrimp or my 19th uh, lobster leg that I'm going to do whatever with. They need to say, I don't want the buffet anymore. I don't want to get fat on the experiences. I want to have the experience that is right for me that allows me to grow and not become you know, fat on the experience. Which later you'll have to trim off so you can get back to your authentic you because you've diverted and divested your energy into so many sexual relations that you don't truly know who you are anymore. I know thousands of women and men that are like that. Thousands. They've had so many sexual relationships, 20 by the time they're 25 years old, that they don't even know who the hell they are anymore. Wow. Yeah, and, that, and that's the cultural programming, I guess, for a man, you know, to have as many sexual partners as you can is seen as, you know, as a badge of honor. And, uh, yeah, the, the repercussions of it can be quite devastating if you don't know who you are you don't stay true to who you are and you actually can value the person yeah. who you're being intimate with so even if it's a temporary relationship where you know this is miss right now or mr right now at least if you value the relationship in the moment and exchange the trueness of the authenticness of who you are and then you grow beyond that to the next level authentic who you are until the next form of contrast and evolution comes forward and says this person isn't right for me now because they're choosing choosing not to grow or they're growing in a direction i don't like and they're not willing to compromise not willing to come to some kind of balance in the way the relationship is going but but, but as you were saying if there is just a, a sexual release from those relationships and if it's just um mutual masturbation which is, you know, what some relationships could be there's labeled no, as. In reality, there's no difference between mutual masturbation and direct penetration. And there's no difference between phone sex and sexting. Once you're engaging those sexual energies, you are just not engaging it with the, with, you can still have full kundalini releases from them. Same thing for masturbation. You're sharing the reality, whether it's you're viewing each other. So, there is a fundamental concept to re-envision for, for anyone that's out there to see. Thus why pornography is so damaging. You know, pornography is filmed in such a way that is not sat natural, natural sexual processing. And in fact, it's totally backwards the way pornography is filled, filmed. And when you talk to the people in the pornography industry, they're like, yeah, we have to film from certain directions. Otherwise, all you see is, you know, four legs, nothing else. But that's not the point of view. We have sex from four legs. We are two heads with eyes and a full-feeling body that's interacting with energy. So pornography is that great illusion. And the rest of the great illusion from mutual masturbation, etc., and all of that other stuff that forms some kind of release, it's still sexual expression. Just because Bill Clinton said, uh, I did not have sexual relations with her and wasn't admitting that a blowjob was still sexual relations because he's using law to define sexuality. 
And you cannot use law or anything else other than your own individuated feelings of what your sexual energies should be doing. Yeah. So it all comes down to, to coming into the self and understanding what your individual needs are, being aware of what sensual blockages mm-hmm. or emotional blockages are not there to, 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 to heal it within yourself. And then only can you really, truly be intimate with someone else and actually, yeah. yeah. And then you have you have other people that can only get sexual relationships when there's some form of aggression behind it. You know, makeup sex is another great example. They scream and yell at each other until they get so angrily turned on that once they touch each other, you know, it's a bit of pushing around that leads into this great sexual release where afterwards you're both smoking a cigarette going, oh my God, I should have never argued with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 never been there, never been there. Never been there, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, um, uh, just before we, we go, um, I was wondering, is there any personal advice from where I am right now that you could you could give me if, if, if that would be okay? Um, are, you in a, just, are you in a relationship right now? It's confusing. Um, I'm in the process of ending one. If, if, if that makes sense. Um, how, how long have you been going? Three years. And why are you ending? Uh, different paths and, uh, yeah, different paths. We're just not connecting the same, but, uh, the same way, but, uh, uh, in terms of our, our interests are different, how we communicate and our sense of humor is slightly different, but we still love each other. But it, we're, we're individuals now, and it's not okay. we're not growing together. So. Who's leaving? Who's leaving? Who? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so when you figure that out, I think the bigger question will be for you: is how long will you dedicate yourself of not having any relationships, so you can fully figure out what it is you want out of relationships before you go back and do having a rebound relationship. Because I think the rebound relationship will do far more damage to you if you don't figure out what it is that you truly want. If you were to just break up and go have a rebound relationship. So that's my personal advice to you. Great. So just so what you're saying is just stick with it and then just leave gradually or Yeah, leave gradually and know why you're leaving, who's leaving who, so that you don't go into mental arguments of who left who. You know who left who. No, no, no.